In the far reaches of the galaxy, a civilization is under siege. We are all that is left. They've searched the universe for a leader. Stay tuned for scenes from next week's Galaxy Quest. What they got... Never give up and never surrender. We're struggling TV actors. DreamWorks Pictures presents Galaxy Quest. This is Days of Films Past, a podcast dedicated to exploring the legacy of cinema. Each and every week, we discuss a different movie that made a lasting impression on viewers like us. I'm James Kennedy. I'm Ellie Edwards. And this week, we'll be discussing Galaxy Quest, starring Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver, and Alan Rickman. Mm-hmm. So this is another one that we've both seen before. Yep. And we decided to do it because it's one of my favorite movies, Tell me, when's the first time you saw this guy? I was, I feel like I was 13 and it was, it was late because this one came out in 1999. And I remember it was like, we were all, we used to to go to Blockbuster down in Anchorage and then we'd pick up a movie. This was one of them. (laughs) It was with, it was two other movies we had got and this was one of them. Why do I forget the other two? Matrix Revolution. But I just remember that one from that that time frame. Interesting combo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was weird. VHS, I think we still had didn't have a DVD player. First thing, my, so my my dad had this one on VHS. My dad loved this movie. When did you watch it? Probably around two thousand. Yeah, probably VHS. For the first time when it first came out on VHS. Wasn't dead. No, it wasn't. No, I mean, they, I think I can't remember exactly when DVD started taking off, but they wouldn't didn't become popular enough that you just saw them at every store until I was. I want to say, yeah, 2001. Shoot. I started seeing them more often, mm-hmm. at least for me in Alaska. If they came out in 2001, we recently got our DVD in our house. They're out before that, but it's like we didn't have one, and I didn't actually even see a lot of commercials yet and didn't see them around. Mm-hmm. When we were like big on this, when they started coming out with the, the, Blue, the Blu-ray, mm-hmm. I think that was in 2003. I don't know if it was that early. I don't think it was. I want to say it was. I think it was later. My sister-in-law used to have like DVD collections everywhere. That's what she was known for. And she had Blu-ray when I was like a teenager. Before I was 15. I'm going to let you look it up. I want to look it up. I'm going to let you look it up. We'll talk about it later. Okay. You, look, you can look it up. <laughs> All right. We'll do the summary breakdown. Mm-hmm. The alumni cast of a space opera television series have to play their roles as the real thing when an alien race needs their help. However, they also have to defend both Earth and the alien race from a reptilian warlord. That's from Kenneth Krisholm on IMDb. Not bad. Not bad. It was the best one on there. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And it it was the most definitely... Most concise one on there. There's one that was about a half a page. I'm like, we're not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> what a wiki Wikipedia have? We just been doing. I like. I like that we're just getting it from IMDb every time. <laughs> yeah, almost. Stick Is that. it lazy? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I like. I like the variation. I peaked the Rotten Tomatoes and stuff like that. They, it did great, and it won a couple of awards too, huh? Yeah. So I had it open in Vudu, and they have some of the ratings on there. So 
New York Times' Lawrence Van Gelder said, an amiable comedy that simultaneously manages to spoof popular futuristic space adventures and replicate the very elements that have made them so durable. And Michael O'Sullivan from the Washington Post, the wisecracks fly fast and furious. (laughs) Peter Rayner from New York Magazine and Vulture, the drolleries take precedence over the special effects. I'm going to need to define that drolleries. Uh, Yeah, I was like, drolleries. Mike Antonucci from San Jose Mercury News, a Star Trek spoof with an intelligence that's Vulcan and a wit that can make a Klingon grin. Now you'd get that one. (laughs) Yeah, you'd get that one. And the last one we're going to read, Bob Longino. Longino? Mm. Longino. It'll beam you away. Way up. (laughs) Was Tropic Thunder has probably took something off this, huh? It's a completely different kind of movie, but it's that vibe of, yes, just the overall feel of like a group of actors has to rise up and be heroes. Yeah. But this is, I mean, I love Tropic Thunder, but this movie holds a very special place in my heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you don't know me, I love, love Star Trek. I never got into it. Yeah, so, you know, usually kids, like, they're usually Star Wars kids when I was growing up. Uh Some were Star Trek, but not always both. Right. I was always, I loved Star Wars when I was a kid, the first three movies. But, no, always way more into Star Trek. Watched Next Gen with my dad growing up. Yeah. And then, you know, all all those movies. I saw all, every single Next Generation movie I saw in theaters with my dad. Really? Yeah. Dope. Yeah, so I mean, when I was growing up, they still, they'd play the movies from the original cast on the original series. Okay. Those movies that were mainly coming out in the 80s. So they played those on TV growing up. And I got more into those later as I kind of, I don't know, it's just a maturity thing, but it's just like, I was always more into Next Gen until I got older. Yeah. And then as I got older, I got really into the original series and the movies. (laughs) Just the relationships between all the characters, like Kirk, Spock, and Bones, man. I just love it. I never watched it. I've watched a couple episodes of Star Trek, but it was a long time ago, so I didn't really get into it. I was more trying to get into the Star Wars, so I watched the first Star Wars movie. Never watched the rest of them. I hate that I have to ask, but we're of a different age group. When you say first one, do you mean the first one that went to theaters when you were a kid? Yeah. I didn't watch it in theaters. Yeah, that's not the movie you want to watch if you're getting into Star Wars. That movie is the worst Star Wars movie. <laughs> and there's like a lot of bad ones. Well, it's not It's not like I didn't like it. I actually was a, I used to kick it with like a lot of white dudes back in the day. Ugh. And they had parties of, this is when Halo was, like you linked your Xboxes together and that was the first live experience of. So I didn't know you could probably do that with consoles until years after you could do it. I, I didn't play <laughs> video games. Yes. And then they would have like these Star Wars parties. And I, that's the, when I first originally watched the first original Star, uh, Star Wars movie. So I was, thought that was cool. And then when I moved to Cali, the whole different group of people are kicking me. Yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you know, that isn't the original Star Wars movie. It was just episode one. Ah, see, so, see what I'm saying? So I'm they out came out the original in, original Star Wars came out in 77. Mm-hmm. Empire Strikes Back, my personal favorite, came out in 80. 83 was Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi, which one? Is that the red and black face guy? No, again, that's the... Phantom Menace, that's episode one. See? <sighs> yeah. They made them out of sequence. <laughs> so the one you saw was actually a prequel. So I'm fucked. Yeah, it's the worst, worst, worst ah. Star Wars movie. It put me on. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, actually, it came out 
around the same time as this movie. Mm-hmm. And I'll say the special effects in this movie, I say, hold up better than special effects from Star Wars. I actually, yeah, I actually kind of, I forgot how old this movie is in 99 mm-hmm. because we just watched Assassin, <laughs> 13 Assassin, and that's CG of the Bulls in 2010 was worse than the <laughs> Galaxy Quest's CG. Oh, by far. Yeah. By far. Well, I mean, so this one, the CG and this was Industrial Light and Magic. They're like the gold standard for digital effects. I mean, I imagine yeah. there's other companies nowadays that are equal or better in certain things. But like when this came out, mm. gold standard. I mean, that's George Lucas, The that's his company. He's the creator of Star Wars. Yeah. Oh, okay. That guy's been already ahead of his time. Yeah. Well, you couldn't mess around with the CG with this cast, though. No, and I think that's when I said for a science fiction movie. Yeah. And when it was made, the digital portion, like they're real low key about it. They did still, it was 99. They're still doing like plenty of practical effects. Right. That they wouldn't attempt to do too much, as much in digital, but it's still, I mean, when you have access, you have a decent sized budget. I mean, I imagine there's so many movies we've seen where it's like, oh, they're really heavy handed with their CG and it looks like crap. This one's like, let's just do what we can make really believable. Yeah. <laughs> so they kept it to that. So yeah, this this movie, growing up a nerd and a geek, as I got older, started hanging out with more groups of people, I kind of fell out of Star Trek for a while and, and sci-fi, like that kind of stuff. I just didn't have as much time to be watching like Voyager yeah. on TV. Then like watching this movie, and we'll get into it for sure about like the kind of the heart of this movie. It made me feel better about my interests Come on now. But also made me feel better. It's like, there's like a lot of people, it's like, it's, you got to be, you got to be really into it, really into just this. You got to put all your energy into it. That's what a fan is. And I was like, I, I had a life too. Yeah. So I couldn't commit to like, to the nerddom. <laughs> but this one made me feel better about being like, you can love it however much that you, you're ready to give to it at that time, you know? Yeah. It doesn't yeah, make yeah. you like mean less to you. So. I like, I like, did you go on any conventions? I've only been to one convention. I went to Comic-Con in 2008. Really? It was crazy. Mind-blowing? It was crazy, yeah. I mean, it was, it was a lot of fun. Well, I mean, it was your first one to build up to the hype? Well, this is before it was crazy, crazy. So I was like, yeah. <laughs> what do you like, even talk about? Right, so <laughs> what do you mean it crazy, blew, crazy? All right, so it blew. When I went, I mean, I bought tickets after they'd been released for at least a few months. Mm-hmm. I think a couple months. Now, say the last at least eight years, maybe mm-hmm. longer, they sell out almost immediately. Really? Like you, have to, you have to sign up ahead of time just to get on, be able to buy a ticket. So it's like, it's like a whole process. Dang. It's, a pain, it's crazy. That convention center in San Diego is huge and it's packed and it's, it's a great time. A lot of lines though. So I didn't do as much as a lot of people do because I'm just, I see a line once it's long enough, I see people <laughs> camping. I was like, yeah, no, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to spend three hours there. I'm going to walk around and check some stuff out and see people dressed up in cool costumes. Yeah. Yeah. The convention was fun, but they have a, they delayed it. I've always wanted to go to, I mean, a lot of the conventions started places like New York and LA, but the big Star Trek convention is in Las Vegas. Yeah. And so they delayed it this year, but I think it's still happening. I've always wanted to go to that, but I think I'm going to wait till the kids older so I can bring them. Yeah. So he gets to see people dressed up and. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. That's what I wanted to do. I don't know what kind of things happen at this convention, but when you say crazy, crazy. Yeah, it's it's massive. It's massive. It's massive. It takes to the streets. 
there'll be like a parade of zombies it's, walking it, down the it's street. everything right like it's not just star trek star wars no like, no Com- comic-con comic-con the like, one that i was talking about before that's crazy yeah it's everything i mean it's okay it's that's more, the one I it's to. more it's more movies yeah than that's anything, the one for I'm... the most part yeah no that's the one you'd want to go to yeah. if you're but yeah it's the crowds are insane it was big when i went and now it's bigger dang san diego mm-hmm. is the one mm-hmm. but they have them everywhere don't they like la oh, yeah. they have conventions everywhere this is just the biggest convention in the world for comic books and media is it every year yeah oh all right yeah it's a good time putting me on my nerd game I'm picking up what you're putting down. I'm the one to put you on it. Yeah, it was one thing I I never got into. I mean, I it's not like I was opposed to it because I have my nerds. I have my nerds in me, as you can tell. Well, the video game conventions got their own thing. That was crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We don't don't get me started on that one. What's the video game convention? It depends on the game. <laughs> you can have a call of duty convention you can just throw a game at <laughs> yeah or like the big one but i i don't think i went to that i haven't went to those i've only stuck to call of duty pretty much yeah I, i've always wanted to go comic-con because i've you know just been a big fan of just all the superheroes and a lot of the anime so i always wanted to watch at least experience that part see what kind of people out there i can girls mostly that i was i would always look at be in different costumes to change it up and guys be oh you want to check out the girl cosplay yeah that oh yeah it's fun that's always something that i was I like i saw kim possible <laughs> did it look like kim possible or did it look like well it looked like a shim but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was a yeah it was, it was a solid kim possible <laughs> all right so you can tell from the reviews we're talking about it's keep talking about star trek and they call it a spoof mm-hmm. i mean that was even their fear well, they're getting ready to make it. They, they were so worried about being sued that the, the ship's name is NTE because the ship in Star Trek always have designations in it, you know? Okay. But this is NTE, not the Enterprise. <laughs> and so le- the legal department was constantly in and out of the production design people and the modelers making sure that they weren't going to get sued for yeah. like, too much like Star Trek. Because that's what... If you didn't have any familiarity between the two, you would have kind of mixed it up. Like, hey, there, it's a, it's a spoof of Star Trek, right? Yeah. yeah. But so it's not just a spoof of the show. Like the heart of the movie is fans, and we'll kind of get into how as we go through the movie. All right. Yeah, I'm gonna let you drive. It's this. like a love letter to Star Trek fans, and it, ah, it just makes you, makes you, it warms your heart. Like, yeah. I th- so I think it rated when they rated all the Star Trek movies. Yeah. They actually include at the big convention. They actually include it. And I included it in mine. It okay. rates pretty high, but they put in the official ratings at the big con, and it did better than a good portion of the Star Trek movies because <laughs> pe- people love this movie. It's it's good. I'm gonna let you drive those little details because you're gonna know more about the differences than. I mean, this is just nostalgia for me. <laughs> okay, so apparently William Shatner liked the movie, but he said, "Yeah, he doesn't recognize those people. That's not based on us." Really, but you take. George Takei, the guy that played Sulu in the original series, he okay. says, yeah, that's us. <laughs> <laughs> but Shatner, he's got an ego, and you hear about that in so many things. I mean, I read, did I read two of his autobiographies, or was it just two? I read, I read two of Leonard Nimoy's for sure. I may, might have just read one of, of Shatner, but he's got a, it was Is a good he like a Jason Nesmith in real life? Yeah, probably worse. Really? Yeah, I'd say probably, probably worse. It's based off him hard. <laughs> 
That's why he's he definitely he's not so anti galaxy queen. He's he's definitely not based off of Sir Patrick Stewart, who played the second Star Trek captain. You want to start off at the beginning? Yeah. So it opens in you're seeing the show, mm-hmm. and then you really like when it breaks from actually watching them be in the show. You know, it's a good intro to the the see who these people were when they were younger. Yeah. And then when it breaks from the show, you realize they're showing a clip at a convention. Uh huh. And then, you know, a soon-to-be recurring character in the movie, one of the main characters, he starts introducing everybody and kind of describing that that was like, oh, since it first aired in 1981, this first time that clip's been shown. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. And that person is a very young Sam Rockwell. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you know who Sam Rockwell yeah, is. Yeah, no, it's the Green Mile guy. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So this, I think this was his second movie after The Green Mile. It was at least his second movie that he brought up. Yeah, he looks just like how he was in Green Mile in, this, mm-hmm. in the movie. Yeah, so I mean, he so actually around. hasn't aged that much considering <laughs> it's been 21 years. He's one of my favorite actors of the last 20 years. In this whole movie, every time I see an actor, like, I always say, oh, yeah, he's this guy from this movie. Right? Yeah, there's and, a lot of them guys in this movie. Yeah. They're in everything. I was like, Sigourney so, Weaver, oh, she's, yeah. a, she's one of my favorites. Bro. Oh, yeah. She's in Holes, Alien. Alien. So we're definitely doing Alien. Mm-hmm. We're definitely doing Aliens. We're doing Ghostbusters. Yep. And Ghostbusters. We're, we're doing this movie. How are you on Avatar? I'm not huge oh, on Avatar. I love Avatar. I'll watch it again for See, you. See, that's my. That's I tell that's you. My, hey, I went to the movies and watched that shit like four times. Not even joking. I saw it once. Someone's like a good friend of mine, uh, one of my best friends, Joey's like. Oh, you got to see it. It's amazing. I was like, all right, I'll go watch it. I was in between flying from Anchorage to California in between work. Yeah. So my sister and I went and went to go watch it. I was like, eh, it's okay. <laughs> I don't know. I for real thought I had a dream before I even watched that movie. And it just reminded me. And I was like, yo, that looked like something I had in a dream. Just the environment that they're in. Mm-hmm. And when I was like into the world, I was like, oh, this is dope. See, I liked it better when it was called Fern Gully. <laughs> So that was my version of Avatar that I grew yeah, up with that I was it born is into. Ferngully it's all the over same again. shit. And I love Ferngully. Ferngully is basically Pocahontas. I love Ferngully. I used to watch movie. it all the time. I used to watch that and what's the, the mouse in London or something. It, it's like the same kind of illustrations. Yeah. All right. I don't know what Take you're talking look. about. <laughs> I forget the title of this cartoon. It's the mouse in, he's a cowboy. You don't know this movie? I'm drawing a blank, but you're thinking Fivehole? Yeah, Fivehole. Yeah, and like the same and the same illustrations. Uh, all the cartoons looked the same back then. <laughs> all y'all cartoons look the same. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Well, I mean, this is the intro to all the whole cast. Is this clip and then them showing up on stage? So we could just talk about them. Yeah, and I didn't really catch on until Tommy in the mm-hmm. he's like. Is that the same black kid? <laughs> Wait, this is, oh, it's a, okay, I see what they did. All yeah, right. Time change. Time change. Yeah. <laughs> it's the present. So that took place in 81 and this movie takes place in 99. Oh, side, side note, that little kid who played young Tommy, mm-hmm. it's Corbin Blue off of High School Musical. So I found that out and I'll talk about it later, but so for the 20th anniversary, they came out with a documentary. Yeah. It's called Never Surrender. It's on Amazon Prime. It's excellent. Really? Mm-hmm. No, I never heard of it. Gotta yeah, it's check good. it out. Yeah, it's like an hour and a half. It's an hour and a half of fun. All right. Yeah, I couldn't. I I remember that because my freaking sister was all about Corbin Blue back in the day, and I was like, Galaxy Quest. He was in Galaxy Quest. So I didn't watch High School Musical. Ah, I'm 
Well, we're never going to do those on this podcast. Yeah. I'm like six and a half years older than you. I've never seen that shit. <laughs> well, I had sisters. You know, there's nine of us, four sisters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll yeah, get yeah, into those. Yeah, sisters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I got a daughter, so, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's restarting all over. Yeah, I mean, that's why I seen the notebook. <laughs> <laughs> Not Damn, don't tell my secrets. Don't tell my secrets. <laughs> all right, so. Starring Tim Allen. Mm-hmm. So prior to this, he's the guy from Home Improvement <laughs> and Toy Story movies. Yep. And so they went through a lot of casting choices. One of the producers really wanted Tim Allen, but the original director that they had signed on didn't want Tim Allen. Who did they want? He wanted, they oh, wanted what? Alec Baldwin. He turned it down. Really? Back then, you, I would have thought that's weird, but- seeing how funny he's actually been in the last 20 years. I'm like, that would have been an interesting choice. Tim Allen, though, he really wanted it. Like, Why? he loves sci-fi. Oh, okay. And he read the story. He's like, oh, I, I, he knew exactly how to play. He's like, I want this. He fought for it. Well, he and killed one of the it. producers wanted it, yeah. But Harold Ramis, who's a comedy legend, he's a comedic actor, he's a comedic writer, and he's a director. He's one of the original Ghostbusters. He's in the movie Stripes. He helped write, he wrote Ghostbusters as with uh, Dan Aykroyd. Really? Mm-hmm. And then he directed Groundhog Day, which is going to be a big one that we do. Okay. Multiplicity, which is one of my favorite Michael Keaton movies. Okay. So he had a solid run in the 90s too. Damn. And then he got brought on for this, but like he didn't get the original casting choices that he wanted and he just couldn't see Tim Allen in the role. And so he just like, when casting wasn't working out and I read- they didn't bring on Tim Allen until after he yeah. left. Yeah. And then I, I think it's, it kind of implied in the documentary that he left because they brought on Tim Allen, which was yeah. his loss. But yeah. I think whatever he made would have been good, but it definitely wouldn't have been this. He's got a different sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And this the director that they ended up bringing on, Dean, Dean Parasot, whew, it's weird. You haven't seen him do a bunch of stuff. But he did Home Prize before this, and then he, he fucking nailed this. Because <laughs> the whole tone of this movie, how they find, they walked, they rode that perfect edge of, they had the drama, yeah. they had the comedy. It's just like, they hit everything, yet somehow had a consistent tone all the way through. Yeah. And it just, he did a really good job. So. I can see what you're talking about with that fan. It, it's for the fans, kind of like, because mm-hmm. that's, that's what. I would say the directors and in this when they're getting the cast together kind of brings their cast brings it out of them, right? Yeah, and you really get realize that it's true because you imagine I was like, man, they must have had so much fun making that, and it must have been just like crazy because yeah, yeah, yeah. they're so much, they're so funny, and then you find <laughs> out it's like, yeah, no, he definitely gave them enough rope to do that. Yeah, you know, and I, Harold Ramis, I feel like he would have done the same, but I also th- feel like. He has his own comedic voice that he wants to make sure makes it through yeah. in, in his movies. Mm. I don't know if he'd give him as much rain. I mean, him and Bill Murray fought while making Groundhog Day yeah, because they couldn't see eye to eye on what kind of movie it was. Well, whatever they made, it's brilliant. But that tension between them, like if it wasn't Bill Murray, he would have forced his will on these people. Mm. Bill Murray's just, a, you can't force anything on him. <laughs> so I think it would have definitely been different. And it wouldn't have been, I don't know. It's lighthearted. Mm. It's serious. It's slapstick. It's dumb. It's really smart. 
it just they did a really good job balancing all that yeah i get that in throughout the movie too like they touched on pretty much everything yeah this guy had a ton of directing credits most of it's tv a lot of episodes here and there which is weird but he did home fries that's his first movie yeah me neither romantic comedy with drew barrymore and one of the wilson brothers but he directed four episodes of reading rainbow i was like fuck yeah (laughs) (laughs) i respect this man i'd probably i'd probably (laughs) seen those bunch of tv he did red 2 which is the worst red movie Mm. but dirk gently's holistic detective agency that's supposed to be good i haven't seen it but his newest movie bill and ted face the music the new bill and ted movie that's keanu reeves really he directed the new bill and ted movie that's coming out oh snaps so i'm pretty excited about that well we won't be able to do that one for five years yeah i know (laughs) So we're going to stick with this. The movie has to have time to rest till we can feel that it actually has left a mark on us. Yes. And it has staying power. So we got some time. Mm -hmm. There's a bunch of movies that came out in like 2016, 2017. I'm like, come on. Because I've watched them so many times. I love them. Sigourney Weaver as Gwen DeMarco. Mm -hmm. Man, She, she fought for it too. She did? She fought for it too. Why? So- Again, Harold Ramis, when he was a director, he didn't want anybody that has done sci-fi before. And he's worked with Sigourney Weaver multiple times. Yeah, and she's been in sci-fi Yeah, he didn't want anybody that had been in sci-fi. And like, that's her bread and butter. Mm -hmm. I mean, she does great drama, but her most iconic roles are sci-fi. Well, why did she have to fight so hard for it then? Because, well, he didn't want somebody that had done it before. Oh, yeah, that's right. He wanted to start from scratch. He didn't want a sci-fi actor. And he changed his mind on her because she just... She no, wanted... again, they switched directors. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, so that. she was just having, I think it was lunch with her agent. They were talking about other stuff. And she told her about the movie. She's like, oh, I want that. Mm-hmm. It's like, ah, yeah, but Harold doesn't want people that have done sci-fi before. She's like, what? It doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. So she kept pushing and she wanted it. And that fucking worked out. I mean, yeah. I liked her throughout the whole part of the. She's <laughs> so funny in this movie because you know so much drama, but she's so funny in this movie. Uh-huh. And so, looking good for an older woman. Am I right? mean, looking she real was, good. She was really good. Yeah. I mean, it had been twenty-two years since Alien, or twenty-one years maybe since Alien. And that's like that movie got me through stuff. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but she's looking. So it turns out, blonde wig. Uh huh. And she'd wear it home just to mess with people, basically drive around in it. But they also gave her fake cleavage. It's fake. I don't know. I couldn't tell if it was like, I didn't know if it was just an extreme push up Mm -hmm. or if it was just a whole chest prosthetic, but you couldn't tell. Yeah. And yeah, that's how women are. They really know how to make things work for them. (laughs) (laughs) Like, all right. uh, uh, I don't know where this is going to go, but good recovery. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Alan Rickman. Oh, he's one of my favorites, Harry Potter. All right, so. <laughs> Professor perfect. Snape. Yeah, so th- that's not the Alan Rickman I grew up with. That's mine. <laughs> yeah. Alan Rickman I grew up with played the best villains all grown up. What movies? Die Hard. That's where he first started for me. Damn. He's the main villain in the greatest Christmas movie of all time. I probably only watched a couple of scenes of it. Robin Hood, I was Prince really of young. Thieves. I probably watched, oh, Robin Hood. Prince uh, of Thieves. Prince Kevin of Thieves. Costner. Nope, never watched it. Oh my God, that's on the list. Yeah, okay. Quigley Down Under, also on the list. He's a good bad guy. He's really good at playing people that do not value human life. Well, Harry Potter. 
he was a good guy. He was a he was a good bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> he was a dickhead, but to protect Harry. Yeah. So I grew up with this villain, and then I see him in this movie. I was like, complete. I'm like, oh, he's a no. His character in here worked it out all the way through. It yeah. was his his character is one of my favorites in here. And actually, that's they on set. They're like having. Alan be there making this crazy move with him. He they felt it gave legitimacy to the project. Was it because of his British accent? <laughs> well, he's a respected British actor. Yeah, and in the movie, he even like it's he even embodies that as his personality. I should be doing better than this. <laughs> this is where I've come to is conventions. Mm -hmm. I played hungry. <laughs> So that was hilarious. That that, it, that whole part where they're all complaining about how this is back back in the old days. It's nothing's changed, and then he's like, "I don't know how I got to this point in my life." Oh, here we go again. And then they know exactly what he's gonna say. <laughs> they're pantomiming with him, and it's hilarious. You're like, "Dang, they just love him." That was that was the the cast, and you can kind of sense how they were in their TV show. Mm -hmm. Like, man, we have to put up with Jason all the time. It was based so much on stories of what the original cast of Star Trek had to deal with Shatner. So much. Is it? Oh, yeah. He was on bad terms with a lot of his former castmates for periods. Seems like that's how it is with like head roles of TV series. You know what I mean? That's like quarterbacks in the NFL. Just the biggest douches. Yeah. I mean, I've always wanted to meet William Shatner, and I'm going to be really sad when he passes, but I was really sad when Leonard Nimoy passed Spock. Like I know Shatner's not going to hit me like that, even though when I was a kid and growing up and even now, like on the original show, it's like if I had to choose the character that, you know, you most want to be like, everybody wants to be Kirk. Uh, you know? Well, not everybody. A lot of people want to be Spock, but you know, if you're a crazy kid, you know, yeah. you, you want to be the space captain, that's the template. Yeah. That's my Kobe. <laughs> <laughs> and my Dave Chappelle, I want to go, I haven't seen any of them live and they're my, I'm their biggest fan. Oh, well, I wouldn't say biggest because I didn't go see them live. <laughs> but a lot of my life is embodied by their what they uh, their values are. So same goes for, I can see where you're coming from with that one. Yeah. Yeah, that one hit home. So yeah, but. You want to get into the rest of the cast or you want to get into the story? No, you can get into the rest of the cast because I'm like, a lot of these guys, you see them in other films. Tony. Tony Shalhoub. <laughs> he's hilarious. He, in this he's movie. so funny. Like, so he's done a lot of memorable roles on TV. His yeah. biggest one being Monk. Monk, yeah. But he's been on other. He's been on other stuff, and he's got a lot of range. But this is his most iconic role to me. He's so funny. Okay, and he my, played in such a weird way. I see him in a lot of movies when I was a little kid. Uh, Spy Kids. He was in Spy Kids. Oh, yeah. shit. Yep. He was one of the evil guys in there. So his character in there kind of reminds me of that character in there because he's like this uh, awkward, silent, but dude that knows everything. He's a scientist and stuff. What other movie did I see? 13 Ghosts. I haven't seen that. Oh, yeah. He was a 13 Ghosts. He was the crazy uncle Okay. who pretty much made this mansion for the ghosts. Yeah, that was him. Well, they attribute a lot of his performance. They, he, had, he had a little bit even more free reign than anyone else because they say that director said so sorry but yeah he was underwritten <laughs> so there's a lot more room for him to make it his own than a lot of the other characters yes yeah, every time you see him on on scene it's something funny and just but it's not out out there it's not out there funny it's group group hug <laughs> no no there's a scene later where 
well, I'm not going to give away the whole scene, but so they're going on a basically an away mission. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> so they're they're taking the shuttle, and I've always noticed like on the way there, like he's snacking on something. I'm like, what the <laughs> hell? Where did he get food? And then I noticed for the first time when we watch it, he's brown bagging it. Like, where did you get a brown bag in space? And where did you get the snacks? <laughs> And he's just he's brown bagging snacks for the away mission, and he's just eating them in the way. Tur- turns out he it's it's the snacks from the backstage, and they're like, "Just go with it." Go yeah, with it. it's so fun. He brought snacks, and it's just it is the character Sam Rockwell. Are you high? <laughs> so apparently, he's lightly based off of David Carradine in how he was in real life when he's doing his kung fu, doing the filming of kung fu and all that. Yeah, because he was high apparently all the time in regular life and probably while he's filming. Sam Rockwell? No, no. Tony Shalhoub's character. Okay. Because I thought Sam Rockwell's character was high the whole time in the movie. No. Because he's like, sup. <laughs> nah, he's just corny. Yeah. Nah, just... <laughs> and he's hilarious he's, too. Sam Rockwell is hilarious in this movie too. I'm just... I died in this episode. <laughs> and he's like, what, what does that mean for me? Everybody has last names. Mm-hmm. So, Tommy Weber. Mm-hmm. Daryl Mitchell, I have. Have you seen him in other stuff? I know he's in the Home Fries movie. I feel like he was in a lot more kid kid movies. I want to say he was a Disney dude too. I don't know why, but I didn't do my research on him as as much as I so, should have. It feels like he should be in more stuff because he was so good in this with his he, role, and he has a familiar face too. I've seen him in a lot of movies, but I don't. don't I it doesn't ring a bell. I was like, what movie did I see him in? And they're classics too. I'm, I'm shooting myself in the foot though, but yeah, I've seen them in a couple movies. Enrico Colantoni. Plays a great alien. <laughs> oh my God. So I remember he was in Just Shoot Me and he's been in a ton of TV, ton of movies. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it's hard for me to put his face on screen other than this movie now that I know him outside of his character in Galaxy Quest. Yeah. So watch Just Shoot Me with David Spade. He's really good in it, but everything you see, man, is nothing like this. So he, he got the audition. He did okay, but he didn't really stand out. But then he tells the director, he's like, he's like the director's looking at me. He something's wrong. He's like, what? What? It's like I wanted to try something. He's like, all right, we'll we'll try it. And the crazy voice that he does. There's a vocal exercise he did, and and when he was doing his acting training, where it's like you hit every resonator in like all I think he said seven like all seven resonators through the top of your head through your chest you know and stomach uh-huh so he hit all resonators and it's just that fluctuation up and down of what's going on with his voice where it's like it's not like a high pitch where it's like the tone is just doing something crazy up and down so he did that while talking and they're like they're like yeah that's it really? yeah but they didn't tell him he had it they were showing some of the other aliens prior to casting like you know i don't normally do this but i, I want to show you a clip and this is kind of what we're going for so to help out with well their auditions oh so they used and his audition to help to, so they could try to mimic him for their auditions so they didn't even tell him he had it no <laughs> he said he's oh man so i didn't i didn't even know i had it if i would have known that i would have negotiated a better deal <laughs> great yeah he did great <laughs> so that's the bulk of the main cast i mean they, we got some other people will bring it. We'll just talk about it as we go through. But. Yeah. So Sam Rockwell does the opening clip, mm-hmm. shows who everybody is. Then we cut to the backstage where they're all kind of bickering, kind of complaining about Jason Nesmith, Tim Allen's character not being there yet. Yep. So they're in the convention. Everybody's waiting. Everybody's waiting. Waiting, waiting. 
seeing f- for the okay to in- announce them. And then Jason Nesmith finally shows up, Tim Allen, mm-hmm. and he calms them down because they he knows that they've been <laughs> they, he knows what they're doing because he put intentionally puts them through this because mm-hmm. he's a dickhead. <laughs> so he calms them down, and they all go on stage, and he does a really good job of playing to the crowd. And then Sigourney Weaver's character remarks, he's like, he's so good with them yeah. you know, as they're doing autographs and everything, but because he loves being the captain. Now I want to watch Star Trek or like at least do a background story on the Star Trek because I would get Galaxy Quest more. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because like, it's based on them. It's so. not necessarily needed, but I, yeah, we're going to watch Star Trek movies at least for this. There's, we're going to actually watch plenty That's of Star funny. Trek movies for this. So the way that originally, the original script, it was based off and they had an idea for original script that was submitted and they didn't want to do that script, but they loved the idea mm-hmm. of these actors having to go out into space. And when they were talking to the writers, they kept pitching the same idea about the, how the captain hates being the captain and he gets roped into all this. They were interviewing, going through, talking to different writers. And then the writer that they went with finally comes along. They're like, he loves being the captain. He doesn't want to give it up. Yeah. <laughs> and that kind Perfect. of, that is like the DNA Perfect. of his character. So when he's on stage, talking to the fans and engaging with them it's because in his like he peaked as the captain and he always wants to relive that yeah and then he goes into the bathroom and this is when (laughs) so they're having a good time watching him talk to the fans that real signing autographs alan rickman's all pissed off because he (laughs) well tim allen loves being the captain alan rickman hates being the stand-in for spock yeah basically (laughs) So he hates that this was his most famous role that he's most associated with, and he has to sign autographs while people quote lines that he used to say to them. <laughs> he hates, he hates it. it. Yeah. So he became the surrogate for all that hate of being the character. Yeah. And it's, this is the one thing that all of them are known for. Mm-hmm. And so they have to give the fans what they want. And a lot of them wanted him to say this stupid thing that he yeah. doesn't want to say ever. So Tim Mounds kind of chasing Sigourney Weaver around because he saw how she was kind of giving a little bit of the side eye yeah. when he was engaging with the fans because she always liked that part of him. Mm-hmm. And so he's he's kind of chasing around a little bit, trying to see if he gets some play. She rejects him because <laughs> when he's acting like that. Hard. Yeah. So he goes to the bathroom, he goes into a stall, and then two dudes walk in just talking so much shit about <laughs> everyone there, the entire cast, and then really just digging into him yep. and what a loser he is for loving all the attention he gets from the fans. I'm waiting for that day someone does that to me. <laughs> Whoop there. <laughs> and it just, it brings me down to earth. Mm-hmm. It shows that he's building up more of himself in his head than what's the reality of mm-hmm. his character. Exactly. Yeah. And so glimpsing at some of that reality, it upsets him. Yep. He lashes out on some fans, some fans that we're going to see return a couple different times in the movie. One of those fans we are familiar with Justin Long. Justin Long. He's been so Jeepers much Creepers. Stuff. We're going to watch Jeepers Creepers. There's a couple movies that I've seen him in, but that's his role he's known for. Jeepers Creepers. He was actually, I thought he was really good in Accepted, where they made their fake college. Yeah, Accepted is good too. The whole wiener. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to touch me? Jonah Hill? Yeah. yeah so, yeah, Justin Long, this is his first movie. Actually, I like that one too. We should yeah, do that one too. It'll be on there. Yeah. So this is his first movie. This is his first one. Yeah, he he played it by mixing a lot of his favorite nerd characters together. I mean, he definitely got his nerd on. Mm-hmm. So it's him and his group of friends. They're asking some very detailed questions about how the ship works, and that's yeah. gonna 
that's going to come back later. Mm. But they're really interested in the technical aspects of the show. And he's just, he lashes out them and says, it's just a show. Yeah, he's over it after that. storms off. Mm-hmm. And that kind of shocks Sigourney Weaver. So she's talking on the phone with Alan Rickman after, you know, when they're back at their apartments. Right. And I'm really worried about him. You know, he's <laughs> never done that before. And then Alan says something, I have said it for a long time, he's, he's lost his mind. Like that. <laughs> and you know, so, these, so that's another big contrast of why there's a separation between them. You know, it's mm. like they each have their apartments. Hers is well-maintained. Yep. He looks like he's still a struggling actor. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a small LA apartment. I guess it's just a difference in what they did with some of their money or how much <laughs> work they had after. But then you cut to Tim Allen's home. And it's man, you mansion, know, mansion up on the hills. hills. Yeah. Yep. The Hollywood Hills. Mm-hmm. Place looks great though. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that life. I mean, living room with windows to the pool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked his house. So he's drinking. Mm-hmm. He passes out. Wakes up to a knock on the window. And it's his friends, these aliens that he saw at the convention yesterday that he just totally ignored. Yeah, briefly saw them. Yeah. So they, he didn't show up where he was supposed to meet them. So they come and find him. Yeah. And he doesn't know they're aliens. He just thinks they're... Fans. Yeah, obsessive fans. Yeah. And he's hungover, still dazed from his drinking of the other night. And then they take him into limo. So he thinks he has another job or another gig. He thinks he, so he thinks he's going to a basement set to run some lines for these fans that are going to pay him. Yeah. It's something he's done for before you can tell. <laughs> yeah. And they put him in the limo and they take him to an alleyway, which disappears. Mm-hmm. So thing is he he passes out and then when he's passed out the limo floats away and then we find out later that wasn't even in the original script so it was ambiguous so he passes out in the original version he passes out and then wakes up on the ship Mm. so they always thought it was a little bit too ambiguous is he dreaming is this like a wizard of oz kind of thing do we know if it really happened right and so the director and the writer that was neither of their ideas and they didn't really want to do it like that yeah yeah, I think it works the way they, they ended up doing it. I don't, mm-hmm. There's so many different characters, character development. I mean, so same in Wizard of Oz, but I like that it's real. Yeah. I yeah. like that it's real. Yeah. Because then it means like everything that happens after is real. Everything they did. Yeah. And then as we get to the ending and how things, the climax of the movie, It'll I like that again. it's real. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, they get beamed up. He's still kind of like next day drunk. He's like, oh. You guys did a really good job. This looks, this looks really good. Yeah. <laughs> looks better than it could look. It looks a lot. It looks better than the one that he was on the show with. Mm-hmm. You guys did a really good job. So when he's there, they brought him there because they need a commander to deal with Ceres, who's yeah. a reptilian warlord. Yeah. Who's conquering their people. Mm-hmm. And he just thinks it's part of the thing. So he sits in the captain's chair. They kind of let him know what's going on. He's like, put it on screensaver too. And mm-hmm. they looked at him confused like oh sorry i didn't mean to break the the mood <laughs> and he just kind of gives a couple of commands yeah and then on the view screen is Sarek. is saris 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 yeah. on the view screen saris for a reptile that doesn't move his mouth like a human when he talks but <laughs> i still think they did a really good yeah, job they did good he seems like uh, like he'd be a british actor under there <laughs> big booming voice yeah he's got that he's got that attention mm-hmm so he's getting threats and then because tim allen doesn't know it's real mm-hmm. isn't taking it seriously he doesn't take it serious he tells him how many torpedoes to fire at him so he could leave <laughs> <laughs> and then he ends up getting up and walking away and they're oh that's it 
What if he survived? I, I, I shot both barrels at him. He, he should be good. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, they give him a communicator and they beam him. Yeah, beam him back down. Liquefy him. Yeah, like space tubes. Yeah. Equivalent to the transporters in Star Trek. But yeah, he gets beamed down in some gel and shoots back to Earth. I would say that would probably be, if I can grade the CG, the jelly is the one that is pushing it. <laughs> I, don't, I like it. I don't know. I, it, I, I never, like, it never pulls me out of the story. Uh-huh. No, I, I just noticed with everything else, I'm like, what was the worst CG looking thing that they did? It was that to me. Oh. I have to look next time. It never pulls me out of the story. Good. Good. <laughs> yeah, he gets beamed. For me, back. it's with like the rock monster. <laughs> we'll get into him later. No, like I the rock monster was on, real when he's on the ship, though. Oh yeah. That <laughs> <laughs> so he beams down to Earth. He's like, what? Uh, 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 like, yeah. He just had a very life changing experience by getting gelled up and sent back down to Earth. He realized it was all real, and he's yeah. super excited. Yeah. He's super excited because he has a chance to play the captain for real. For real. But he needs his crew. Mm-hmm. So the first thing he does is he runs to go tell the rest of the guys who are doing opening a car dealership or something. Yeah. <laughs> again, he's late. So it's another one of those things where here we go again. Are you drunk? <laughs> and he's trying to tell them all about it. And they're like, you know what? No, we're not doing this yeah. with you. And so he goes with the Thermians. Those are the aliens. Yeah. They come and get him. Mm-hmm. And then he goes like, they're upset with him. And then they're in this van to be taken away. And they're like. He was so excited. He was lining up for another job. He yeah. had a slide. He was, he's probably talking about another job. Yeah. It's like, well, I don't know when we're, you know, we don't know when the next time they're going to want to pay us again is. Like, you think that was a, you think he's actually talking about a job? <laughs> so they all hustle out of that van. <laughs> yeah. I'll try to find him and finds out that he's already gone. But he leave, they leave a transmitter behind and just in case they change their mind. and They don't know it's a transmitter. They think they're talking to an assistant, basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then they're like, if you're taking him, you have to take all of us. We're all a crew. This is a family thing. Okay. So they're all trying, trying to be a part of it now. And then, all right, so four to beam up. And then where did Guy come from? He's like, five. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Rockwell, Guy Fleekman. <laughs> yeah. An extra, a former extra on the show who died in... Was it episode 81? 81. <laughs> episode 81. So a former extra, he'd be standing for what's referred to the red shirts on Star Trek. If you're on an away mission and you're wearing a red shirt, that means you're going to be the guy that dies. Dang. Yeah, so he, he was an extra oh, that died. A... So that's why the whole time, when he, every time there's danger around the corner, he thinks he's, <laughs> gonna, he's like, he thinks he's going to die. Yeah, especially when he realizes it's real. He's like, okay, I've seen this before. Yeah. <laughs> He's always he's always like freaking out. He's like <laughs> real upset when he has he's when he's going on the wave mission. He's reevaluating his life. Mm-hmm. So they get all beamed up finally, mm-hmm. and they're all shaking because it's it's a weird experience getting gelled and beamed. Mm-hmm. Shaking like you guys want some gum? It helps. That's what Nesmith says, says. And the last person that gets beamed up, he doesn't actually get beamed up with the crew. No, Tony Shalhoub's character. Yeah, he was off messing with a vending machine, so he came back. <laughs> he came in a couple minutes late. He's whole... the guy that would be messing with the vending machine in the background. Yeah, and he's just—he's like the floater out of all of them. Where mm-hmm. he's not really with the group, but he's with the group. Yeah, he's part of the crew, but, he, but he's not necessary to the everyday functions. And he belongs to wherever he's doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so wherever he is, he belongs. Yes. So they're on 
well, they're not on the ship, but they're looking around like, are we on the ship? Mm-hmm. No. Basically says we're at, we're at the space dock where we take off in the ship. And he shows them the spaceship, which is the protector. Mm-hmm. And that's one of my dope scenes, actually. I do like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's one of my dope scenes where like, oh, shoot. Dude, everybody finds out that these aliens have based their whole life around this show. Yeah, that's my one of my favorites. Is assembling the crew and leaving space dock is what I put. Dope. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> so, this, right, so they get on the ship and he says, Tommy, take us out. What? what? You want me to, <laughs> you want me to take us out? Who's the pilot? He's like, he's the helmsman. It's like, they designed the ship based off the movements from the historical records. That's what they call the TV show. Yes. So let's get into it. We haven't got into it yet. So the Thermians. Mm-hmm. Put a note down for them. Their deal is on their planet, they had no form of acting or entertainment. They're just learning what it, a deception is. So it's not part of their entertainment. Right. So when they see they're getting, they're picking up this TV show in space, they're like, they think it's real. It's real. Mm-hmm. So they really think these are captain. We should probably should have gotten into this earlier, but they think he's really the captain and the commander. And so they think all the crewmen actually do those jobs. They think Helen Rickman's actually an alien. So they based it off watching the show, his moves. So he's, so Tommy, he begins to take the ship out of space dock and <laughs> it's veering towards towards the, the side of space dock and the toys left and everybody's Try, kind of leaning away <laughs> leaning away from the wall they're about to hit and then the world's longest <laughs> they're just scraping the side of the ship on space dock and i don't know why but every time like it's funny yeah it's hilarious i guess it was hilarious on set too because i think it was the director just making the screech in the background <laughs> maybe someone else but <laughs> yeah that one's, it's a comedy that everybody can relate to mm-hmm. i think we've all been there so they make a past space dock and they they go to basically meet up with saris mm-hmm. and negotiate and so they meet up with saris and saris isn't too happy Mm-hmm. from getting all those torpedoes shot at him last time. Yep. He's got an eye patchy thing on. A little bit of eye eye region hanging down. <laughs> yeah. So he's pretty he's annoyed. He's got his his former second in command <laughs> for not putting up the shields in time. He's got his head on a pike. Yep. And that's when everybody says, "Oh, shit's real." Yeah, we fucked up. <laughs> and they're like abandoned mission. Mm-hmm. Abort. So he's like, he's asked, he wants the Omega-13 device and no one knows what the Omega-13 device is. No. And he's like, yeah, so we don't know what it does. We don't have that. <laughs> he's not relenting. He wants the Omega-13 device. Yeah. So I'm like wondering what it does. I can't remember that scene where they're talking about it at, at chat. When they're talking about it over dinner, it was before they meet Sarah. So the, I guess it was dinner. They had dinner after yeah. they spaced up. Then like, he wants the Omega-13 device. Well, what is it? Oh, we found that he just made up a story. We found that on a this planet, so we don't know what it does. Because mm-hmm. he just made up a story on how they found it. Because they they created it based off of the show. Yeah. So there, uh, everyone has like their own little. Well, there's a rumor that, about it like, wiping out everything, destroying everything. Yeah. So is it either has enough energy to either just obliterate all matter in a given area, or it could be a matter rearranger mm-hmm. and could buy thirteen seconds of time. But we found that out later. Later. Yeah. But they don't know what it is, so they're just talking about it. Yeah. Everybody's having their special meal based on their planet and region of origin. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> Alexander Dane, Alan Rickman, his his character, Dr. Lazarus, he's got some kind of alien species of bug dancing out of some very clear water, water. and broth. Yeah. So he, he didn't. He's got there. a science project for a dinner. Everybody else got steak. Yeah. <laughs> so they meet Saris and he wants the Omega-13, doesn't know what to do. So Tim Allen goes. He does the little thumb across the neck as in cut the feed. Yeah. And Sigourney Weaver goes, yeah, just nods. <laughs> yeah. So he goes talking. He's like, I've dealt with this guy before. He's as stupid as he is ugly. <laughs> and the feed's never cut. He's like, maybe I'm not as stupid as you think. <laughs> <laughs> and then he complains to her, Sigourney, and then she's like, I thought you meant, yeah, he needs to die. <laughs> Dead air, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, well, as you hear him trying to trying to cut the feed so we could come up with a plan and send missiles at them. Mm -hmm. That's when they start shooting missiles at them. Yeah. So they start running away and they're running away through a minefield and hitting all kinds of mines <laughs> on the way through. Yeah. The driver is, this is first time driving and everything you can hit, he hits. Yeah. He hits every car on the road, in this case mines. Yeah. And we find out the, when we see the damage that the ship has taken, it's like 84%, 96%, everything is pretty much messed up and the engine is what is everyone's worried about they need a new beryllium sphere mm -hmm. and didn't have any on the ship no <laughs> actually it's a really funny scene though so sigourney weaver's character is based her role is kind of based loosely <laughs> off of <laughs> lieutenant uhura from star trek but she's a uh, communications <laughs> but basically the ma ma main communication she does is she repeats everything she interfaces with the computer so if somebody has a question for the computer they say it to her and then she says it to the computer and the computer. Because it only responds to her. Uh -huh. <laughs> this is getting really annoying. Mm -hmm. It's my only job, so I'm going to do it. Yeah. It's a stupid job, but it's the only job I have and I'm going to do it. <laughs> and Tommy's like, okay. And that's when I feel like the director said, that's why we hired her. Mm -hmm. They find out where Berlin Sphere is. Mm -hmm. So then comes the away mission we were talking about earlier. Yeah. So <laughs> the Earth crew all the, the non-Thermians all get on a shuttlecraft and head to this planet so they could go get it. Yep. And the whole way there, guy's freaking out because <laughs> he knows that on away missions, he's an extra. That's where he dies. <laughs> yeah. He's freaking out. He's like, oh. I'm like, I'm a glorified extra. I don't even have a last name. It's like, you have a last name, guy. <laughs> Do I? Do I? <laughs> what is it? Yeah. But nobody knows because he's an extra. <laughs> He's freaking out. So they finally get down on this planet and they're, they're using their little tricorder Communicators. Thing. Yeah, the tricorder to kind of find their way to the mine where the Brilliant Sphere is. And they say, oh, that mine's abandoned. Something bad happened here. It was an abandoned mine. Mm -hmm. So they're just kind of Waiting looking around, out, seeing, yeah, yeah, seeing what's going on. So little aliens come out and they're like, aw, they look like little kids. A little hurt one. Yeah, and then his Tony was like, "Are they the miners?" <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> somebody's like, "Are they?" Somebody's like, "Are they the miners?" Like, yeah, yeah I mean, they, 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 well, they're probably four years old. They're like, miners, not miners. <laughs> and then he's like, "You lost me." <laughs> Smart guy. <laughs> miners, are, yeah, they're, yeah, they're probably like four years old. <laughs> so they're all out. And they're drinking some water, wondering what they should do. And then a little one comes out. That's mm -hmm. up older, all little, but he, he's hurt. Like, oh. He's hurt. Yeah, they're they're, they're, they're going to help him. And then Sigourney Weaver 
Gwen, she starts going out because she's like, oh, they're so cute. They're going to help. So she's going to go too. Yeah. And the guy just grabs her and pulls her back. And then he, like, he addresses them. Have you guys ever watched the show? <laughs> They're, honestly, they hadn't. This is Chopping Thunder. Have you guys ever watched the this show? This is Chopping Thunder all over. Yeah. Uh, fast forward to it. Does anybody read the script? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> they just didn't know what to say about it. Yeah. yeah, it was actually like that. Yeah. So, and that's when Guy was right. All these mm -hmm. cute little aliens pounce and eat the one that was hurt. <laughs> little devils. Take them in, and that's when they're all right. Let's get it and go. Yeah. So they wait till those the coast is clear, and they go to get the brilliant spheres. Because mm -hmm. when they're arguing, actually, when they're arguing, they didn't wait for the coast to clear. When they're arguing. They just disappeared. It's like, oh, where'd they go? No one was watching. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like, all right, we're gonna go get this thing. They come up with a plan. Nesmith is doing ground rolls all the way they're all very, around. They're very reactive this whole time, mm -hmm. not proactive because they're again they're all don't just actors well they're all reactive nesmith is proactive but they always wonder are they really going to take orders from this guy because right. he's not Cause a real commander like it's the t he's, he's an a actor too yeah and this is what he wants he yeah. wants to be the leader of them and he, and they're just they didn't like sign on for this mm -mm. he not still hasn't got like the severity of the situation they're in and they almost all died yeah so to get the brilliance here they all start rolling it except for sam and Tommy, Sam Rockwell, and Gay, Guy, and Tommy, they're the lookouts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, give us a signal if you see anything. How about I I'll put my hands together and go like this? He's it's like, like, we have, we have. Are you these. a child? We have the we have the boxes, which is their communicators. He's like, are you a child? He's like, he's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. And then what is it? Oh, so Granny was like, yeah, make sure they don't kill Guy. Yeah. <laughs> Here, make, make sure they don't kill Guy. <laughs> So they're rolling back and they're like, guys, 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 they're trying to get, get their attention because apparently the fox didn't work. They're yelling at them. They're coming. So they're all getting surrounded. So they're all working as a team trying to roll this giant brilliant sphere on the ground up to the, to the, to the shuttle. Mm -hmm. Get they, it in there. They're getting closer and closer. They finally get it up in there. But now that that's in there, there's not enough room for Nesmith to get on. <laughs> so Alan Rickman doesn't want to leave them, leave, give them all the glory. And he's like, no, you're just so they're arguing over who's how it's going to go. So yeah. Tim Helen Nesmith punches him and then hops on and he doesn't quite make it. So yep. they pull him out. Pull him out. They leave him and then he wakes. I mean, he, he is knocked out by these babies, these four-year-olds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> four-year-old aliens. <laughs> hit it in the head with a rock. <laughs> and they hit him in the head with a rock. Yep. Then he wakes up in an arena. I mean... It's more of a caverny canyon thing. Yeah. But its purpose is it's an arena. Mm -hmm. They're all cheering from above. Yeah. And the gray, shouting something. The gray knock or gray knock. Yeah. And they think, it's, they think it's this little alien that they only describe as a pig lizard. Yeah. And he's fighting it off. And at the same time, he's phoning up to everybody who's on the spaceship right now. And he's asking them for help. And they're trying to figure out what they're going to do. So... They're going to try to use, it's a different kind of transporter than yeah. the other one. I don't understand the difference, but it's a different kind of transporter. Mm -hmm. Maybe the other one only works if there's another unit nearby and this one's just grabbing them from somewhere. It's a different one because it turns into a million pieces and you can shoot right at them yeah. instead of a circle halo, upside down halo. Yeah, I think as the other one just requires more hardware or something. I don't know. Yeah. It's never been tested on humans before and it was designed for them. So they haven't had a, so there hasn't been a single. Test uh, for a human test. 
Yeah, and then the other test didn't work out because it was made for humans. Yeah. So the first thing they try to get is, like, we're going to test it on pig lizard. Yeah. So they beam up pig lizard. It's yeah. inside out. <laughs> and explodes. It explodes. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, one, of the, one of our failed aliens, it exploded. <laughs> <laughs> and then he hear, Jason hears it over the communicator. And he's like, it exploded? Ow. No. <laughs> he doesn't want to do it. And then Garignarok comes out. The rock. giant rock monster. Yeah. And then he's getting chased around. It's like a Tom and Jerry scene. Mm-hmm. He's got him by the foot and he's talking on the communicator and he's like all wrapped up in his in his shirt. Mm-hmm. For some reason, they had to have a shirtless scene. <laughs> <laughs> he was pretty... He got in good shape. Yeah. I will say, I think some of it was like when they use makeup to shape the abs. <laughs> I know what you're saying. Yep. I pre- I'm pretty sure that was, yeah. yeah. Actually, you know what? His trainer on the movie, mm-hmm. they're married. Cool. Tim Allen married his trainer from the movie. Really? Mm-hmm. She hot? I don't know. Never looked. Hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> she was in charge of getting me in a certain amount of shape. But he's after that one shirtless scene, he's like, there's no scene where it tells says I got my shirt back. Yeah. And right. let him know I'm not going the rest of the movie without a shirt. Mm-hmm. So when they finally beam him up, somehow a miraculously a shirt came with him. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So right before he's crushed by the rock monster, he gets beamed up. They finally figured out because Fred is just freaking out because he he's he's stoner or whatever's going on and he's not ready for that responsibility yeah but this is his thing yeah yeah but tim talks him into it he pumps him up Mm -hmm. does that leader thing that he 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 learned to do from tv right and that actually gets fred to beam him up well he does get a little motivation from a a chick coming in too oh yeah one of the thermians that comes in so it's been hinted at a little bit prior to this, but that's when they first make real eye contact with yeah. this Thermian, with this Thermian girl, and the, they got a connection. Mm-hmm. And that was the last boost that he needed. Yup, zipped up his uniform and said, "We're doing this." <laughs> and Nothing motivates an Earthman more than an alien woman tentacles. <laughs> so they <laughs> look human, really but tentacles. they got—they're actually they're octopi people. Yeah, I like Sound octopi about people. Right. Yeah, yeah. So. They got the Brilliant Sphere. They can get the ship working. Mm-hmm. So back on the ship, mm-hmm. they're calling Mathazar on the radio, trying right. to get a hold of him and saying, meet him at the bridge. And they can't because while they were dealing with that, ship got taken over by Saris and his men. Yeah. So yeah. we cut to Saris is torturing Mathazar, trying to get to the location of the Omega-13 device. It's a part of the buildup of this scene, but I remember it. It hit different when I was little. This part. Oh, the coming scene? Yeah, the upco- this upcoming scene hit real different when I was little. Because I remember when I was watching it now, I'm like, oh, I remember it's, this part. It gets emotional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Saris is torturing Mathazar, and Nesbos says, leave him alone. Yeah. He doesn't know. We don't know. And it's like... You expect me to believe that a commander does not know every bolt and square inch of his ship. He's like, you're not a commander. Yeah. And he's like, well, he's going to go torture Gwen. He's like, no, I'm not the commander. Explain. Mm-hmm. He says, Gwen, pull up the historical records. So Gwen talks and says, tells, tells the computer to pull up the historical records. And it's the intro to the TV show. Mm-hmm. And then Saris just starts laughing. Yeah, because he realizes what it is. He knows exactly what it is. Yeah. He said, you people have done far more damage than I ever could have. Dang. Mm-hmm. That one hit. And then Saris said, explain it to him. 
explain it to him as if he was a child because he's not getting it. Even now, this kind of, yeah, this was a hit different. Yeah, so Tim has to explain to Mathazar mm-hmm. what it is they do and admit that he's not a real commander and he was just playing pretend. Yeah, and... Admit that he put all their lives in danger because he, the subtext of what he says is like, I just wanted to be the captain and I, I put all you in this danger and all this danger. Yeah. And pretty much it's a lie, which a lie. The, the Thermians, don't, that's something that they don't do. No, they, they don't understand dishonesty. They don't, they've never lied. Yeah. So, and he just admitted that he was a fraud to, all right, so I'm going to get into it now. Okay. The Thermians are basically, they're stand-ins for the fans. Right. Because the show, the heart of this whole movie is, is the fandom that props up these people. And creates so they're basically the biggest fans in the universe of of their TV show. They base their entire they culture can, and society around exactly. around their TV show. They love them mm-hmm. and they they look up to them. And he just admitted that he's breaking his heart basically by telling them that he wasn't the real commander and he'd been in their mind being dishonest and lying to them because yeah. they don't understand the concept of acting. Right, and it just oh, man, breaks just his heart. Man. It up now, yeah. You put it, yeah. You put it in perspective right there. Yeah, I mean, no, it's it's an emotional Great scene. Point. So Steven Spielberg was the producer on this movie. Yeah. And the only day he was ever, he's not the everyday producer, but he's like one of the producers of the movie. He runs DreamWorks Studios. It's was, it was one of their first movies. Yeah. And the one day he was on set was the day that Tim was doing the scene. And they were coaching Tim ahead of time because they know, they know he's, he's a slapstick. All he's doing is busting balls. He can't be, he's never serious. Yeah. This scene that this scene going properly, you lose the heart of the whole story. Wow. So they basically coach him, you need to, this isn't a joke or anything, yeah. you know, you need to take it serious. So, and he's like, yeah, I mean, I got it. But he came in and he, they're running through the scene and Spielberg comes up next to him, to the director, Dean, and he goes, oh, Tim's doing a really good job. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I know. But yet, Tim delivered the goods on that scene. He, he started yeah. tearing, like, you know, he'd start, his voice start cracking, tearing up a little bit, like, in, on takes. And then after they're done filming, he's like, I want to go back to my trailer. I don't like what I'm feeling. Oh, wow. So when he left, <laughs> Alan Rickman goes, I think Tim just experienced acting. <laughs> <laughs> he said that? Uh-huh. Oh, that's crazy. You know how they butt heads on the movie? Yeah. Well, they butt heads on the set too, not to the same degree, but yeah. Alan Rickman's a very serious actor. He shows up early. He knows everybody's lines. Mm-hmm. Tim shows up late and all he's doing is busting people's balls, you know, <laughs> and doing fart jokes and everything while they're all on set. So then it was like, they said Sigourney did a really good job of handling Tim, bringing him back down. Come on, bring it back down. Mm. To, to, so, that, so it all function it. So it's like a really like weird family unit. Yeah. It's, that mimicked what actually happened in the movie, but it's weird because they didn't have that dynamic from an actual show. Yeah. So it's just funny that it just it crossed over. Yeah. Yeah. They all had really good relationships that crossed over to the screen. It's like I wish more stuff was like that. Yeah, really. One thing I took I took from this as a note, a side note, is like you almost forget that they were acting in that scene. Like, uh, actually, you actually forget, actually. Mm-hmm. And it's not the characters. It's not even the characters in the movie. It's not the dude playing the dude disguised as another dude. <laughs> it's the actual Tim Allen in them. Like, mm-hmm. that's what I saw. And I was like, dang, 
That's why they hit different for me. Yeah, I mean, they're all. This is a comedy, sci-fi, action thing, and it's the most emotional part of the whole yeah, thing. But you just forget, like they're all they're being funny the whole time, but they're all, they're all really good actors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they actually sold that. Yeah, really good. And so after Saris is is finally satisfied that Mathazar's heart's broken, mm-hmm. he explains to him that they're going to suffocate the whole crew, and then they're going to shove the Earthling the Earthlings out an airlock. Mm-hmm. So they're taking them to be shot out an airlock, and while walking, Nesmith comes up with a plan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're bickering a little bit and talking and he's like this is just like this so and so episode and they're arguing and then Alan Rickman finally gets it so they're arguing and they start getting into a fight and it, it actually turns to blows Yeah, and they're hitting each other and then all of a sudden Tim sees what he needs he picks it up Alan Rickman ducks and he clubs the the, 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 the guards, alien that was the uh, yeah the alien that was bringing him up to the airlock mm-hmm. so he clubs that one and knocks the gun away, and then the gun goes flying, then they, they, they get- Get the gun. Get the gun. They shoot one, mm-hmm. and then he gets back over the other side, and then airlock, one door closes, and then the airlock opens, they, they, they shoot out. This is a dope scene, because this is when everybody actually becomes the character in the show. Mm-hmm. It's like they just naturally became their characters. Yeah, well, yeah. so they went from not knowing what's going on, Dude, being afraid, not knowing what to do. Mm. And then when Tim, you can see it in his face when he makes the decision that he's going to do something for someone else and he's going to do what he can to save the Thermians no matter what it takes. Yeah, Everybody falls in line. It is a natural pattern from the show, but also it's like their egos go out the window because they're actually all on board to do the right thing. Yeah. So all the ego shit that kept them separated, all that's gone. They fall into the pattern of... He's commanding, yeah, and they're actually doing it. They know what they need to do, and they all go without question. Ellie goosebump time. It's one of those goosebump moments right here. Yeah, definitely was. My nerd was out for all over. I was like, let's get it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. This is the part where everybody is full fight or flight mode. Yeah. So they send Fred, Guy, and Alien Girl, whose name I forget. <laughs> we don't need to know. Yeah. And they send. It's their job to go to the control panels and go open and figure out a way to let air back in so they're not suffocating the Thermians. Right. They send Alan Rickman to go try to pry the door open if that doesn't work. The room that has the control panels where they can save the Thermians is filled with bad aliens. Mm -hmm. So Guy, knowing that there's nothing else for him to do, (laughs) on his mission, he's going to sacrifice himself to go take out those aliens so they can get to the controls. Exactly. And then Fred says, no... (laughs) He's like, you know, I'm just a glorified extra man. I'm just, I'm just here to die, basically. He's like, what if you're plucky comic relief? He's like, huh? He's like, and duh, I, I got a plan. So the plan is Fred and they go beam up Grignorak, mm-hmm. the rock monster. <laughs> this scene is hilarious because he's like, it's the little things. <laughs> it's crushing all the bad alien dudes down, down a hallway. He's like, and then he, he, and then he gets all like the, Grignorok chases them through a hallway and into a room and then he launches all of them into the space and that's it's the little things <laughs> all this disaster is happening because their their idea just it hits off mm-hmm. so they save the Thermians they let Aaron and then Alan Rickman and Quillick get in as well mm-hmm. everybody they're making sure everybody's okay Quillick is standing at the door and then he's shot yep <sighs> 
Just I, when you think you are done with all the emotional stuff. I know. This one just, all of a sudden. But it actually needed, it was actually needed because it's what helped him embody his character just that much more. Mm-hmm. So it, he's already had a change, you know, he's already ready to, ego's at the window and he's yeah. ready to help these people. But once Quillick, who looked up to him so much, yeah. gets shot and then dies and he couldn't do anything about it. Oh, he, he goes fucking ham beating the shit out of these aliens. He leads the actual uprising of all the Thermians to yeah. go beat the hell out of the alien henchmen. And that whole time, so Tim and Sigourney Weaver, what they've been doing is they've been in the underbelly of the ship because they need to go reset the countdown timer that's going to blow up the whole ship. Right. And they can only do it from the bowels of the ship. Mm-hmm. She's like, she's like, and they don't know a damn thing about no. this. No. He's like, unless you took a learning annex course, I don't know about it. I'm pretty sure you don't know what to do either. <laughs> so he's like, no, I don't. But I know who does. Yep. So the second day of when everything going on, he bumps into our, our nerd friends again. The super fans from Earth who we are going to love even more here coming up. Yeah. But he's like, he remembered bumping into him and he lost. And he realized that they switched communicators with him because yeah. the one he had didn't work. So he remembers, oh, that kid ended up with that one. Right. So he calls him. And he's like trying to talk to him. And the kid's like, you know, I need to, I need to say this. I'm not some kind of head case. I know it's not all real. <laughs> I'm not some, it's, I know it's not real. Okay. I, cause he was, he's obviously upset about the way he was treated by, by Nesmith. Yeah. Brandon, his name. Brandon. So he's upset by the way he was treated by Nesmith. You know, mm-hmm. he wasn't mad, but he just wanted, he wanted Nesmith not to look down. It's like, I know it's not real. Yeah. And then he's like, Brandon, it's real. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> and he's all jacked up, ready. And that he becomes the reason why they make it out of there. Right. No, if, if not for him and his friends, they all would have died. Yeah. Well, they would have died way before they were able to save everything because they would have never stopped the countdown timer. I mean, yeah. And this is when we find out how much of fans this group of kids are, Brandon, with Brandon being the leader. Mm-hmm. So he starts calling in because all their computers, it was a lot of data and it was the 90s. So <laughs> they each had their own share of yep. technical plans for the ship. <laughs> yeah. Somehow their computers each hold all the data. Yeah. So they're calling each other. Yet with this 90s internet that where they're all video chatting with each other, I was like, <laughs> shit didn't exist back then, did it? <laughs> Who had the internet for that? Yeah, right. You dial up in this? <laughs> So they're all video chatting and, and doing it. It's, it's great. They're all working together to get them through the bowels of the ship so they could get to, they, ooh, and when they pass through the belly of the Omega-13. Yeah. And she's like, if I could see what you guys are seeing, what do you mean? It's, there's nothing here. It's just, one of the stu- there's a stupid fan that's in every episode. Yeah. Because there's like a fan down below them twisting. So if they fall, it'll mm-hmm. fuck them up. And then they look up and it's this crazy, weird looking energy source. Yeah. It's like almost like DNA strands, pretty mm-hmm. much. Yeah. Floating all over the place. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Crazy, crazy. So they're getting shot at after that, after they clear that area. So they have to hurry up and get through the... Ch- Next up, the chompers. Mm-hmm. Chompers. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> so they have to clear basically a yep. video game level. Yeah, like a booby trap, a pacifier. <laughs> yeah, so it's basically these metal slabs crushing into each other up and down left and right basically yeah and they got to clear it and he's gonna teach them the sequence so she in the original movie she says when she sees the chopper she's like well fuck that 
the choppers on the original series it, no. were like real slow and it was only like two of them yeah and they barely even touched the like, ground it doesn't make any sense we shouldn't have to do this we have to do it because it was in the show whoever wrote this should die <laughs> i thought of you with that one <laughs> whoever wrote this should die <laughs> that is something like, i would say yeah but guiding them through the chompers they finally make it through lose their gun mm-hmm. and they make it to the shutoff for the countdown for the ship self-destruct sequence. Yeah. And what do I got to do? Oh, you just got to hit the blue button. Hit the blue button. So they hit the blue button and it's still counting down. So there's a little moment between Gwen and Jason Nesmith, Tim Allen, yeah. and where they kind of embrace because they know they're going to die. Mm-hmm. And then it stops at one. She's like, oh, it always stopped at one. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's when everything switches up on it. Mm-hmm. So... That's when they go meet up with everybody else. Yep. You know, meanwhile, Alan Rippon's having a full-on revolution, beating all the baddies up with the Thermians. And he's yep. like, we got to go. We got to go. We got to go. <laughs> They're going to go to the bridge. This whole time, Tommy's been practicing driving. <laughs> Watching his younger self. Uh-huh. He's just learning the moves. moves. And then they get this plan. They start gathering. And they, Jason has a plan. Yeah. So Sarah's calls him up mm-hmm. and takes through the minefield. And they're driving through the minefield, trying to get away. Because, you know... Everything's hooked up. They're ready to go. Right. They just have to get away from Saris or beat Saris. Mm-hmm. So they're driving through the minefield. Saris is after them. And he says, Tommy, can you get closer to those mines? Closer? What do you mean? And then he gets it. Yeah. The ship is magnetic. The mines have a magnetic force. And so they're going to drag all these magnets trailing mm-hmm. behind them. Yep. So they turn around and they go after Saris' ship. Mm-hmm. And Saris is... The actors are playing hero. I'm a general. You think I'm going to turn or anything? Because they're playing chicken with yeah. the ship. So he's increased the speed. They increase their speed. Because it doesn't take a bad actor to notice. I mean, a good actor to realize a bad one. You're sweating. That's what Jason says to him. Mm. And he's like, sonny boy. <laughs> like, this isn't going to work out for you. You fail to realize, you know, that I'm going to win. Yeah. Whatever he said. And then he's like, well, you fail to realize I'm dragging mines. <laughs> And then he launches, he goes right by the ship and all the magnetic mines fly right into right it. Right into him. And then Saris is running to a control panel and then it cuts when he's hitting in some controls. Yeah. And then it goes back to them. They celebrate and they're high-fiving. Yeah. So, can you take us home? Yeah. I'll set a course. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we're going to have to go through the black hole. Anybody, anybody, any objections? Nobody cares. Go yep. through the black hole. We've been through enough. <laughs> then elevator opens behind them while they're Fred. Going, and Fred comes out. His usual self, he's always the floater, always away from everybody. He's like, Fred, what are you doing up here? You're supposed to be supposed to be down there. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't mind. They're celebrating. Fred pulls a piece. And he starts shooting up everybody. Yeah, he shoots Jason. He starts shooting other everybody. He gets Gwen. He gets Alexander. Right. And then he says, Jason, he goes, Mathazar, initiate the thir- Omega-13 device. And so it was when they were going through the belly of the ship, when they're under the Omega-13, he asked them what it does. Yes, Brandon. Brandon, what it does. And he explains, well, I think it's either a matter, basically just exploder of some yeah. kind. Or, or a matter a, transformer. A rearranger, yeah. Rearranger. So he thinks that it might rearrange things to buy you, give you a 13-second time reset. Yeah. And then Gwen goes, 13 seconds, that's enough time to do anything. Except, and then Jason goes, maybe except redeem a single mistake. Mm. So he says, foreshadowing. Yeah. A little foreshadow of And he goes, initiate the Omega 13 device. So they do it. And then all of a sudden, Jason's the only one because he hits, Mathisar initiates it, but Jason hits the actual button. 
Right. So Jason's the only one that has memory of before. So Fred walks in, he starts beating the hell out of him. Mm-hmm. And they pull him off him. Yes. And when they're pulling him off, he turns into Saris. And then Mathazar beats the hell beats out of him. Beats the hell out of crutches. Because <laughs> he's still alive. He's just, he was just strapped up to a table the whole time where everything yeah, was going down. they got him. He, come, he came in on crutches when they're mm-hmm. all celebrating. Yeah. So after all that's taken care of, Tommy lets him know, it's like, hey, I'm not able to slow down, which is just unnecessary but it, it kind of it got us to the next story it's like i feel like they could have figured this one out yeah they got, right? a bunch of, they got the people that made the ship they're smart mm-hmm. but instead they decide to separate the ship so they take the command the command console section of the ship or whatever yep and then the rest of the ship takes off they say the goodbyes mm-hmm. everybody's gonna miss each other the thermians got their new commander which is math because he's a great leader and fred takes one of the chick with him mm-hmm. she goes with fred yeah which is weird because if Fred seems like he would just, I mean, it doesn't make sense for the, what's about to happen about the end of the movie, mm-hmm. but it would make more sense if Fred just went with them. It would make more sense. Because he doesn't even care about human, like in, interacting with humans. Yeah. So they separate. Brandon gets all his friends together with Roman candles and they're going to guide in the, the ship. Yeah. Because the ship's going to crash. It hit Mach 3 or whatever coming into the atmosphere or whatever they said. Like Mach 5? Yeah, maybe it's Mach 5. He's like, <laughs> and he's talking to his parents who, <laughs> we don't really, we haven't really talked about it yet, but his parents are, parents are kind of exasperated by how nerdy he is. And yeah. When he's trying to explain what he's going to do, well, all right, well, dinner's at seven. <laughs> and the father puts down his newspaper, looks at the wife like, well, well at least he's going outside. Yeah. <laughs> I guess one of the funniest parts of the movie is when they're waiting for more instructions from, from him when they're going through the bowels of the ship and they're trying to, they're asking for help. And they're calling him on the radio. And then, because his mom was bugging him. Oh, yeah, his mom was bugging him about <laughs> taking the trash out. about to take the trash out. And then so the next scene, next time they call him, he's just like not there. And then it <laughs> cuts to him taking the garbage out. Mother, you not forget, understand the severity of the situation. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. That's, every, that's everyone who plays video games or anything. <laughs> and, anything that has to do with anything parents don't know anything about. I can't leave right now. <laughs> You're going to leave. <laughs> We're going to end up doing it too. Yeah, for real. <laughs> They're leading him in with the Roman candles, shooting him off to help guide him. And the ship crashes down in a parking lot and it keeps skidding, 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 skidding. And then eventually it's, it's just slowing down and then it crashes through a building though. And it crashes right into the convention, convention. that they're supposed to be at. Yeah. The very same convention. Exactly. So the newscast that you kind of see on Brandon's TV, there's, Third day of the convention, mm-hmm. the cast is nowhere to be seen. People are upset. Then they crash through the building, <laughs> and then they come out of the ship. Greatest entrance ever! Everybody's cheering them on. Yeah, and then it's like the best introduction. It's like the, the beginning all over again, except yeah. this is the right way. It's, yeah, the extreme. They're all stumbling out of the ship, and people are cheering for them. They're just kind of like, "Where the hell are we?" <laughs> and they can't believe that they're back there at the convention. Yeah. And then when they're just kind of the crowds cheering them on, they're like, oh, hey, hey. They're just kind of saying hi to the crowd. Yeah, the little pops out. Sarah's pops out. Jason does a little tuck and roll thing. Shoots him. <laughs> Shoots him, and he just turned into a freaking little poof. Mm-hmm. Little poof. Yeah, it looked, like, it looked like a cheap special effect that you would see on stage, so it was kind of perfect because yeah. they just didn't believe it really happened. <laughs> so they're cheering for Jason. He's accepting their praise, but then he, he does something he'd never done before. Yeah, which is the dope part. He... Brings the whole cast with them, and they all take a bow. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not going to lie. When I'm really paying attention to the movie, when that, that moment hits, when you see that big character arc for him, 
and how much he's changed over the course of the movie and he learned to actually be a real leader. You trying to make me cry? It gets me emotional. Yeah, you trying I'm to make like, me cry? Dad. What's <laughs> wrong with you? Yeah, when I see I was like, low key, I was, I was low key tearing up when Quirrell, when we were talking about Quillic. Quillic, yeah. So that's why my I was like, uh yeah. you trying no, to make me cry, bro? I know, What's this, wrong with you, bro? What's going on with you? I when we watch Wrath of Wrath of Khan, we're probably gonna cry. Ah, while yeah, talking about it. So yeah, we have that moment and then it cuts to a new show. It's a new intro. Mm-hmm. After all this, <laughs> they get the the adventure continues or something like I'm that. I'm laughing because the, my favorite part is when guys. <laughs> all right, yeah. So they're they're introducing the whole cast and how they look now and what they're doing. It's got Fred and his girlfriend working on something because they're the engineering yeah. team. But then it gets it gets to Fred and he's not an extra. He's like chief of security <laughs> guy Fligman. It's chief so security Barack. He's, yeah, it's a new name. You see how proud he is? He's, he's, he looks so 80s corny too. Yeah, he is, huh? He's all, he winks at the camera without actually winking at the camera. That is. <laughs> he has that face for that genre too. Mm-hmm. Like he could have been in Stranger Things. Oh yeah. Sam Rockwell is such a good actor. He's Man. been in so many different types of movies. He didn't want to do this movie. And he didn't want to do it. He, he wanted to be, he was, he was going to do more serious movies. Yeah. And he, he's like, you know what? He's like, I just did Green Mile. I want people to see me as something besides just that, you know, the crazy oh, yeah, person he played. Good, good, good yeah. for him. <laughs> so he played this and honestly, he's so funny in so many movies, like mm-hmm. so many Sam Rockwell movies. Probably my fa- my favorite Sam Rockwell movie is Moon. You've watched it? So I believe it's still on Netflix. I own it too, but so, oh, little trivia. I've told you before, my love of David Bowie. Moon is directed by his son, Ooh. Duncan Jones. So okay. yeah, his son directed Moon. So it's built. It's it's got it's built up to the hype, right? Yeah. So okay. it's super good. It's a classic sci-fi. But Sam Rockwell plays a character, but he also plays the same character and the same character again. He's a clone, so he plays multiple versions of a clone, and two of them are interacting with each other most of the movie. Hmm. And so he, he's. I always like if it's done right, movies where you're playing against yourself, especially if. It, are pretty hard you know yeah and you have to you have to really you have to memorize the beats and every line and how you not not just the dialogue you have to remember how you did it yeah so he's like listening to himself and he's acting against his own voice so it's kind of like it's a crazy dynamic yeah it's it's super cool though yeah like he, okay. he did a really good job and all right it's on sam the list rockwell, yeah he's it's on the list for sure for sure so sam rockwell super good and then his little send-off there it's like hey, he does everything <laughs> I mean, so that's actually, that's the end of the movie. Yeah. Oh, man. Dopest scene. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, the protector, <laughs> Brandon, when he finally realizes it's real. I put that under nerds save the day. Yeah, that's <laughs> exactly. That was one of mine. The Sir Alexander defending Quillick and embodying his character was dope. Yeah, but the crew decides to save the Thermians and fights back. Yeah. What'd you get? Besides that, the trip to go get the to score a beryllium sphere that whole time on the on the planet was yeah. fun. That was like those although those a lot of the funnest moments. That's, you know, that's a dope scene before too. things got a little bit more serious. Yeah, and then I, the crew crash lands at the con, kills Saris, salutes the nerds, and celebrate. I had that as a, the the final scene, of course, the last of the Mahuiks. Mm-hmm. You know, honestly, the crew decides to save the Thermians and fights back. I'm gonna give it to that, but I'm, it's like it's almost tied with the nerds save the day. Yeah. All right, so fans love this movie. 
mm-hmm. Star Trek fans, and then it's got the, its own fans and just like fandom in general. Like a lot of people love this movie because it's it doesn't it could have gone so many other ways with the way it portrayed these fans. Yeah, and you know just their obsession and their love for this story that's not real. So the standard for most of the movie for the fans is the Thermians because they're super fans. They, right. They base their whole society off this show. Yeah. It's their and reality. Then, and then you got these kids, the, the other fans who have put invested so much time in learning just the minute details of what makes this ship work. And they have questions and they love it. They build the models. And when it f- first introduces them, you know, it, they're not getting a lot of love, not really understood, but like as everybody else grows, yeah, you know, they really begin to realize they need needed them. them. They need the fans. Yeah, the only re- the only reason that they are where they are is them. And then when they need them the most, they help them through it. So it's like, oh man, yeah, it's, it's the field, bro. Yeah, man, it's just, <laughs> it's a it's a salute. And like this this came out in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Fan culture back then, it really was like if you were into Star Trek, like a lot you're a fucking nerd and now it's like being able to be into stuff like that if you read comic books if you yeah. watch sci-fi you do any of that yeah it's acceptable online culture people find each other they, yeah. they have get-togethers where people can do stuff you can love this stuff and not feel bad about it so that's like a different era for where a lot of people grew up so this one is like that first kind of like peek through like where pop culturally it came became acceptable to just love the stuff that's not real. Yeah, I'm gonna have that with my daughter. Because anything before that, it's like Ooh. fans are portrayed, it makes fun of them. This is a love letter to fans. The people that made it are fans. I'll probably give my. You know what? I'm gonna, actually I'm super happy we watched this. I'm gonna have my daughter and me relive Star Trek and Star Wars stuff. I'll live with her doing this because right. I missed out on it as a child growing up. I think she would enjoy it. They have most of the series on Netflix right now. Cool. CBS All Access has them. I can't remember if Hulu still has them. I know Amazon had everything at one point too. So like Star Trek isn't one of those things that's just on one platform. So it's out there, man. From The original series is so colorful and fun. That's If you could get your daughter into that, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. All right. Well, but the new show, CBS All Access, Picard, which is a continuation of Star Trek The Next Generation. Mm-hmm has Patrick Stewart, the original Jean-Luc Picard, and some a bunch of guests from the original. That's on CBS All Access. First season is excellent. It got a lot of hate. It never quite lived up to the first two episodes, mm-hmm. but it's still super good. And then there's Star Trek Discovery. Now, that also got a lot of hate because there's, they call it toxic fandom. Mm. But like the Star Treks, there's a lot of people like, there's a lot of those not all-inclusive nerds like, this isn't real Star Trek, blah, 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 blah. And yeah. hate online, but... Discovery, because I had CBS All Access trial to watch Picard. Yeah. I figured I'd check out Discovery too. And first two episodes were pretty terrible, but everything after that is really good. All right. So this new Star Trek out there. Yeah. Key ingredients. I mean, I put the cast. I put perfect casting choice for every role. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't touch that. Because that's what made it work. Put Harold Ramis dropping out and Dean Parasite brought in. Mm. He was the guiding force on it, so I, it definitely wouldn't have worked without him. That was real good homework for you. Yeah. I put the script because it, it won an award. Nebula, yeah. The Nebula Award? Yeah. Yeah, it's a science fiction writing award, yeah. Yeah, and the last, I mean, Star Trek had that too. In the so, excellent script that worked perfectly. 
with the tone Dean Parasat went for. Mm -hmm. So David Mamet, he's a Pulitzer Prize winning playwright, Tony and Oscar nominee. So he's he's a well-known, well-respected writer. Mm -hmm. He wrote a book. It's actually like essays that he turned that became a book. Okay, but in it, he says he names. There's only four perfect films in his mind, and he names Galaxy Quest Whoa. was one of them. He names Galaxy Quest a perfect film. Whoa, it's high praise. Damn, has everything you need. It does. So that's what I said. I didn't even say comedy. I said the emotional parts in the scene. Mm -hmm. It touches on a lot of emotions. Mm -hmm but it's also a fun journey too. Yeah, it is. So unnecessary ingredients, I put nah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I think, I don't know, nothing. You got anything that didn't work? Nothing. Uh, the one thing that didn't work, not unnecessary ingredient, that I just, it was a question. So I guess it's for the, any questions and stuff. How do you know to be Fred? <laughs> <laughs> the evil guy. Oh. <laughs> how did he know to be Fred? How did he know Fred? Yeah, how did he <laughs> Never thought about that. Yeah. How do you know Fred wasn't going to be on the bridge? How do you know he was making out with someone else? Maybe he beamed by close to where they were at. And he's like, okay, he's down here. Yeah. It'll be him. Yeah. That was it. <laughs> yeah. So reboot, recast. I said, no, but it says, should I be remade a late sequel or let it die? So they were going to make a late sequel, but they're going to make a late sequel TV show. Really? Yes. Everybody... That would have just, that would have been like Star Trek. Oh, it wouldn't. Yeah. It was like like the show continued that yeah. that that many the journey continues whatever that many years later it was this was gonna happen like that I haven't watched Star Trek or anything like that but if they would embody the characters in there and how funny it is with their show I would say that that would be a way different kind of show right yeah because Star Trek is all serious right I mean it's got funny it can have comedy mixed in but it's not a comedy okay okay so yeah so would they, if if they came I, back with a comedy. Because well, no, they wouldn't no, be no. able to do it. Series, no, the would they? no, the series was going to be. It was the actors again. Oh, okay. Read a couple different things, but it, it fell apart because Alan Rickman passed. Oh, he's gone. Yeah, he's gone. That was sad. What? Mm -hmm. I just found that out. Yeah, I think it was two, three years ago. Oh, really? It was, yeah, it wasn't. It was fairly recent. How do you try to? Maybe it was cancer. I think. Oh. He he saw some people and he told it told him it was a stroke. And he was getting better, but he just didn't want people to worry about him. Oh, that's... Yeah. Rest in peace, man. Yeah, he's played a lot of memorable characters, and I never met him, but people talk about him like he's a really... He was just a genuinely good person. Yeah. Man. So, it, I mean, it wouldn't be the same without him, though. Yeah, it wouldn't. I mean, and I'd still watch it, but... Would you, would you have anybody in mind? Well, I mean, I definitely don't think they should recast him. Yeah. If they were going to do it, they should just... If they're going to keep everybody else, they should just yeah, it wouldn't work, keep past. Yeah. It wouldn't work. Yeah. So, no. Nope. So, what questions do you have after viewing? Is it just that one? <laughs> yeah. Said, so how did it make us think about the world differently? It just, it made me feel much more accepting about my own personal nerdiness and geekiness, you know, as far as not something worth hiding. Yeah. I, well, like that. I respect that. I think what you had pushed as the whole fan love, I like that a lot. I'm going to stick with that one. It made a lot of people feel that I way. Appreciate, that's, that's I appreciate that viewpoint. Yeah. So I'm going to take that for mine. Good. Legacy. What did it leave behind for us personally or for the world? I mean, I kind of answered on the last one. Yeah. And as far as legacy, my daughter, I want to just put me in a position to want to, you know, explore other movies and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Find new trends we can do. So yeah. yeah. I think the movie is a cult classic, has a large fan base, and is also beloved. It's a beloved honorary entry in many people's lists of favorite star trek movies for me it's probably top three. Oh, really mm -hmm. 
I can appreciate it. So that's it wouldn't make a lot of people's top three, but there's another movie in my top three that wouldn't make most people's. That's Star Trek 2009. The movie's fucking dope. It's on the list. We're going to watch. And then Star Trek 2, The Wrath of Khan. Star Trek 2, Wrath of Khan. Khan is that the, new, that's the newest one, right? No, no. Khan was Into Darkness, but okay. no, the, it was the second film in the original the original ah. cast when they did movies. Okay, I'm going to get into it when we start watching these. Where can people see this movie? Currently free on Tubi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where I watched it. Got a couple ads, but it was smooth. We haven't talked about Tubi yet, but they have actually a few movies that are on our list. They have so many movies, and there's it's free, and there's commercials, but there's there's services you pay for, like Hulu, that have 10 times the amount of commercials. These commercials are short, mm-hmm. and you're not watching the same one every single time. So it's definitely like, it's my favorite service that- It's real smooth to download. Like I downloaded it and then it just had me start picking, which was cool. Like it was real smooth. It wasn't wanted all my information. You could skip all that. So Tubi is, Tubi is where's that? Yeah, no, it's got a good app and it's got a good website. Mm -hmm. They have so much, they have a bunch of foreign movies. They got anime, they got cult classics, they got cheesy horror movies. I just downloaded it. I'm going to get into it. Yeah, Yeah, it's good. Oh man. What do you got? That's pretty, I mean- I don't know. I'm just, I'm, like I said, this is all, I mean, you changed a little perspective of what I thought it was, the movie was. It was just nostalgia for me. It was like, oh man, I remember this. With this movie. Yeah, this is awesome. This is a family movie. It's great for everybody to watch. But that's how I looked at it. It's like, oh yeah, I'm going to watch Galaxy Quest. I like this. Yeah, I remember Galaxy Quest. But, well, you made me cry, bro. So, you know what I'm saying? It hit different. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, well, gotta watch. Man. If you stuck with us, that was a, <laughs> we keep getting longer and longer, man. Well, so if you got any questions or you got any comments or you want to have any advice for us, reach out to us on any of our social media platforms or shoot us an email. By the time these release, all that will be, something will be going on active. Yeah. All right. Have a good day. <laughs> we'll see you guys in the next movie. Bye.